we pray and we'll keep going. First Kings 17, beginning with verse number 8. The word of the Lord came unto him, saying, Arise, get thee to Zarephath, which belongeth to Zidon. Dwell there, behold, I have commanded a widow woman there to sustain thee. So he arose and went to Zarephath, and when he came to the gate of the city, behold, the widow woman was there gathering of sticks, and he called to her and said, Fetch me, I pray thee, a little water in a vessel that I may drink. And as she was going to fetch it, he called to her, said, Bring me, I pray thee, a morsel of bread in thine hand. She said, As the Lord thy God liveth, I have not a cake, but a handful of meal and a barrel, a little oil and a cruise. Behold, I'm gathering two sticks, that I may go in and dress it for me and my son, that we may eat it and die. Elijah said unto her, Fear not, go and do as thou hast said. Make me thereof a little cake first, and bring it unto me, and after make for thee and for thy son. For thus saith the Lord God of Israel, A barrel of meal shall not waste, neither shall the cruise of oil fail until the day that the Lord sendeth rain upon the earth. She went and did according to the saying of Elijah, and she and he, her house did eat many days, and the barrel of meal wasted not, neither did the cruise of oil fail, according to the word of the Lord which he spake by Elijah. I want to preach to you on this thought. Look again. Look again. Father, we thank you for your word tonight. God, I pray and I ask that you'll anoint the preaching of the word of God. We want our ears yeah. to hear it, our hearts to receive it. I pray, oh God, you'll touch, move, and minister around this altar tonight. God, I thank you for what was accomplished this morning. We're back again tonight. God, you're able to do exceeding abundantly above all we can ask or even think according to the power that works in us. Somebody here needs a miracle, oh God. Somebody needs to hear what you've laid upon my heart. God, I just know that you're going to touch. You're going to help. You're going to do something mighty in this altar tonight, and I thank you in advance for it. We ask it together in Christ's name. If you love the Lord, would you say amen? amen? In our text tonight, you know the setting of this story where God calls Elijah. The brook has dried up that Elijah has been staying by for a while, and the ravens was bringing him morsels of meat there to eat, and he was drinking water out of the brook. What was so significant about that is Elijah had prophesied to Ahab and to Jezebel, and he said, it will not rain, neither shall there be any dew upon the earth except according unto my word. And the Bible goes on to tell us that for the space of three years and six months that it did not rain, and there was no dew upon the earth. You just got to know that every every pond, every creek, every watering hole, everything that was green, anything that was alive, for the most part, had died. But Elijah was being sustained by a brook and being fed by ravens. And I... I uh, thought about a long time ago, there comes a day when God lets the brook go dry and God chases the ravens away because we wouldn't ever get any, any more revelation how good he is, how great he is, how, well, wouldn't it have been a good thing he could have just stayed there for three and a half years and drank water out of that brook? Wouldn't it have been an amazing thing he could have ate you know, with those ravens just bringing him food for three and a half years, it would have, but God in his willingness to progressively show us his glory yeah. in a greater and greater and greater measure until the Bible says, until we reach the stature of who he is. Ultimately, he's going to reveal the, the glory of God in the face of Jesus Christ. And we're all going to be made like him. So the revelation of God's glory has always been greater and greater and greater in its progression. And that's the way it was in the life of Elijah. 
I just want to remind you that it doesn't mean that you've sinned. It doesn't mean you're backslid. It doesn't mean that God's mad at you or you've done anything wrong when the brook dries up. It doesn't mean God's upset with you when he chases the ravens away. Simply might mean that God is about to do something even greater than what he has done. And he said, arise and get thee to Zarephath, a city in Zidon. I have commanded a widow woman there to sustain you. And they are in the drought as well. And I, I have often marveled at this. If you go back a little bit and study who Jezebel is and where she is from, Jezebel's dad was the Zidonian king. God sends Elijah to the capital city of where the devil herself was from. And he said, right under the devil's nose will I bless you. Right in the devil's backyard will I work miracles. And God chose to send him to one of the most wicked places on planet earth. And that's where I want you to go. During the middle of this drought. And I commanded a widow woman there. Somebody that has no means of support. No financial means to do it. I commanded her to sustain. And when he gets there. He finds a woman. Gathering sticks. What you doing man? I'm just gathering up these sticks. He said, hey, would you mind going and fetching me a cruise of water? And they're in the middle of a three and a half year drought. And I can see, imagine the look that she gives him. Number one, can't you see I'm busy? Can't you see that I'm, I'm doing something? What are you doing? Why do you need me to go get you water? You got two good legs, get it yourself. She don't say that. She's on her way. She turns and she's on her way to go get him some water. And while she's on the way, he said, hey, and bring me a little morsel of cake. Bring me some bread while you're at it. If he was from Alabama, he'd have said, why are you up? Make me a sandwich. Ooh, he pulled it right out of her. Why you up? Make me a sandwich. And she stopped and just gave him that look. And said, let me tell you something. I don't have nothing to give you. I'm gathering these two sticks. And I got a little bit, a handful of meal left in a barrel. And a few drops of oil to mix in that meal. I'm going to bake a cake, all right. And it's going to be one piece for me and the other piece for my boy. And me and him's going to eat our last meal today, and then we're out of food, and then we're dying. I don't know what you're going to do. He said, don't be afraid, Mom. He said, go and do just what you said you're going to do. Make that. Make those two cakes. Except don't eat it for yourself. Bring it to me first and let me eat. He said, for the barrel of meal will not waste, meaning the barrel of meal won't ever run out. And the cruise of oil won't ever go dry. If you'll, if you'll obey the word of the Lord. <laughs> Amen. As I was reading this, you don't get the you don't get the idea in this story that when she bakes this cake and she brings it to Elijah and he eats and her and her boy eat the other piece. And the Bible said, just like Elijah said, she went according, she went and did according to the saying of Elijah, she, he and her house did eat many 
days. And it says the barrel of meal wasted not, neither did the cruse of oil fail according to the word of the Lord, which he spake by Elijah. It just says that the meal wasted not, neither did the cruse of oil fail. She had to live by faith. Here's why I know. The just shall live by faith. And the Bible says faith is the substance of things hoped for. When you have stuff in abundance, it doesn't require faith on your part if you're going to eat tomorrow. Amen. If you've got money, if you've got groceries, if you've got stuff in abundance, you don't have to have faith if me and my family is going to eat tomorrow. But when all you've got is a handful of meal and a few drops of oil, it's going to require faith if you eat tomorrow. The Bible said the barrel of meal wasted not, neither did the cruise of oil fail. You can believe what you want to, but I believe that every day as that boy scraped the bottom of the barrel, I want to tell you, there have been a lot of days in my Christian experience and walk with God where I have felt like spiritually God had me scraping the bottom of the barrel. Maybe it was physically. Maybe it was financially. Maybe it was spiritually speaking. We all, I, I can hear the sound of what an old tin cup scraping the bottom of a wooden barrel would, would sound like. Can't y'all hear that sound in your mind? I, I could almost hear the sound that it made. He's scraping up what she described as one handful. We got to have enough for me and mama to both eat a, eat a piece of bread. He's scraping the bottom of the barrel. She's got just enough oil to mix in there and bake it and make two pieces of bread out of it. The Bible said by the promise of the word of God, that meal won't ever waste, meaning it won't ever completely run out and the cruise of oil won't ever fail, meaning there'll always be oil, enough oil in that I, I, can, I can see after that first day that boy scrapes out as much as he had yesterday and they ate the next day. He said, now mom, I know we might have misjudged that thing yesterday and said we had just enough for yesterday, but uh, I know I scraped the bottom of the barrel. I know I beat on that jar. I know we've got the last drop we can get out of it. Uh, are you sure that God said we got enough to eat tomorrow? Don't you think we need to go somewhere and hunt something? Son, all I know is what the word of God has commanded us. When they got up the next day, Mom, where are we going to get meal and where are we going to get oil? I got all that was in there yesterday. I'm, I'm sure I got it all. And I can hear that mama say, Son, today's a new day. I need you to go and look again. I need you to go and look again. And to his amazement, uh, he lifted the lid off of that barrel. And he said, Mom, there's a little more in there. He picked that cruise of oil up, held it up toward the sunlight. Mom, there's a little more in there. And they used all that up uh, and they made him uh, some more cakes. And he woke up the next morning and he said, Mama, do you think? That what God did yesterday and what God did the day before yesterday, how long is this going to last? How long are we going to be scraping the bottom of the barrel? How long are we going to be living hand to mouth? Mama, how long can you imagine that God is going to have to do this? All I've got is the word of God, son. I need you to go and open that cupboard door and I need you to look again and tell me what you see. He lifted the lid off that barrel again. He coming there the third day in a row. A little tear runs down his face. He said, Mama, it's the same thing that was in there yesterday. And I can almost hear say, I know 
She's a long, this is a long while before Christ ever came. And she came along a long while before Hebrews 13 and 8. But I can almost hear St. Jesus Christ the same yesterday, today, and forever. What he done yesterday, the day before that, and the day before that. If I need him to do it again tomorrow. I'm just going to tell you every day that I live, all I know is to look again. Look back at the Word of God and see if He's ever failed. Look back again at God's promise and tell me if there's an expiration date on the Word of God. You believe God can still do today what He did then. I'll just have to refer you to the, the Word of God and ask you, Look again. You judge for yourself if God is able to fulfill his word. 1 Kings 18, this is one chapter later. The same prophet, Elijah, he's standing before Ahab. We're at the end of the drought now. It's been three and a half years. God has sustained him at the brook. God's fed him with ravens. God has used a widow woman and her son to, to, you know, to put him up at their house uh, right in Jezebel's backyard. He's watched miracles. I'm telling you, for three and one half years, uh, Elijah has been telling, uh, you know, everybody that would ask, uh, hey, you think God's going to sustain you forever like he has been? All I can tell you is look again. Hoping that meal barrel is still there. Look at that cruise of oil is still there. I mean, every day of his life has been a miracle. It's an amazing thing. And now we've come three and a half years into the drought, and Elijah said unto Ahab, Get thee up, eat and drink, for there is a sound of abundance of rain. That, there ain't been no kind of sight nor sound of rain or any dew. I mean, the windshield wasn't even wet when they got up to go to work in the morning because there's no dew. You know, when there's no rain, a good heavy dew will keep stuff alive until it rains. But there ain't no rain. There ain't no dew. I mean, the dew's almost a hope that this will do. Until it rains. But it seems like any hope they might have has been taken away. And I heard years ago, Brother Clinton preached a message. And I preached some of you that's been at Bible Way for a long, long time. Y'all remember what I'm talking about, but I was listening. I was getting ready for church one morning. I was at the conference in Beaumont when he preached it. Sometimes you can be there and hear the man in person preach it, and you can go back maybe a month later and listen to the CD, and you heard something on the CD that you didn't hear in person. And I was getting ready for church on a Sunday, and I had the CD playing, and I heard him say this. He said, that nation of Israel's been in a drought for three and a half years, and there ain't but one man in the whole nation that's looking for rain on this day. And he said, it's the man that's been praying and God has spoken to him and said, it's going to rain today. Tell the king to make haste and get off the mountain. I hear the sound of an abundance of rain. He said, only one man in all of Israel is looking for rain. And that's a man that's praying to God. The altar of the Lord had been broken down. He repaired the altar of the Lord and he prayed and God sent rain. I, man, something just reverberated in my spirit. That morning we, we were, you know, at one of our times here, we were just in a dry spell. We needed a move of God. And I began to weep that morning. I said, oh God, would you send rain? Would you send rain? And God said, if you had asked me, for rain, I'd send rain. I, I began the, the, the next week, uh, I, I preached, I used that text for my title, 
And I preached on, I see it cloud. I see it cloud. And I preached on, I see it cloud. For six Sundays in a row, I see it cloud. And on the sixth Sunday, Jackie Davis and Glenn Davis walked in late. And they sat down toward the back corner. And I preached. And he and she got saved. And they were over there and they were kneeling down. At the altar, weeping and crying. I didn't know that she was in stage four cancer. I didn't, I didn't know them from anybody. I had no clue who they were. But when I looked over there at them, Brother Homer, the Lord said, in case you want to know what a cloud about the size of a man's hand would look like, that's about what it looks like right there. There's your cloud. There's your cloud. And what you've been preaching is about to happen. I want to tell you for the space of about the next two years. I mean one couple after another couple after another couple begin to come in and get saved and be filled with the Holy Ghost. Revival came. And most of that is what makes up the body of Bible way tonight. Ahab went to eat and drink and Elijah went up to the top of Carmel and he cast himself down upon the earth and put his face between his knees and said to his servant, go up now and look toward the sea. And he went up and looked and said, there is nothing. And he said, go again. What did he say? Look again. He had prayer meeting, and he said, God said, go and look toward the sea yeah. and come back and tell me what you see. Yeah. He went, trudged there on Carmel. I don't know. I've been on Carmel. I don't know how far. I've been on Carmel, and I didn't see no sea, nowhere. <laughs> I was a-looking. You see the, the, the whole valley. They call it the valley of Kidron. It's the biblical prophetic place where the, the valley that's going to fill up with blood to the horses. But I'm telling you, I stood on the top of Carmel, and I'm thinking in my mind's eye, where was that boy standing at when Elijah said, go toward the sea and tell me what you see? I was like, where's the sea at? I'm looking as far as I, I'm looking in the wrong direction. I looked all the way, I don't see. I'm just telling you, I've been on there. I've been on Carmel. He had to travel and traverse somewhere. I just see that boy with his walking stick. Uh, he walks a couple of days. Uh, he might get there by Wednesday. He looks out over that sea. He said, Maybe he prayed for a little while. Man, I thought surely I'd see something. He trudges his way back. He gets there by the next Sunday. He said, well, what'd you see? Well, pastor, I looked. I looked for a while. I stayed for a while. I prayed for a while. I sang for a while. I didn't see nothing. What do you want me to do now? I want you to go again. I want you to look again. What? You know what that boy wanted to do? He wanted to kick rocks. Well, I tell you, you go yourself. I'd have made that journey one time. I ain't going again. Well, maybe that's why we ain't seeing no revival. Maybe God is saying to us, I want you to look again. I want you to go again. And the Bible said he went again. He come back out the second time, huffing and puffing and sweating. He got a sunburn by now. He's two weeks into it. What'd you see, boy? I didn't see nothing. I don't know how many times to you I've prayed, I've studied, I've prayed, I've fasted, I've preached in obedience, preached what God told me to preach, and I said to God, I didn't 
see a single solitary thing happen in that church today. What's wrong? What am I doing wrong? Where am I missing the mark? I want to see a day of Pentecost. I want 3,000 of them to get saved all in one day. And the Lord says to me, go again. Look again. Preach again. Pray again. Ask some more. You see, that requires faith. He did it seven times. At some point, I think the way this thing works, that boy's an understudy of Elijah. He's got the hand of God on him, call of God on his life. I know that God, for some reason, skipped over that boy. You don't hear much more about him after that. God told Elijah to go anoint Elisha, the son of Shaphat, to be prophet in his stead. So maybe that boy's attitude about going to look wasn't right. I just know if it was me, and it has been me, that God has said, go again, look again, pray again, preach again, believe again. Ask again. And sooner or later, you say to yourself, you say to the devil, and you say to anybody that'll listen, I ain't quitting. I ain't quitting until the rain comes. I'm seven trips invested into this thing. I'm 30 years invested in now, Brother Homer. I'm 30 years into my journey into my travels, into my walk with God. I done come too far now to quit. I done got too much vested in this to sink the rest of my life into anything else. It's Jesus or nothing. It's revival or bust for me. It's rapture and nothing else for me. And on the seventh trip, he got out there and he looked and he looked, and he looked, and out over the sea arose a little old cloud about the size of a man's hand. I mean, you'd have to take a set of binoculars to even see it. It couldn't have no more five drops of rain in it. It ain't big enough. He comes all the way back. Got that walking stick in his hand. He's huffing and puffing. Well, boy, what'd you see today? <laughs> Same thing I saw every other time I went. Except a little breakthrough. I saw one little old cloud. About that big. About the size of a man's hand. Up there in the, up there in the air. Just hovering around looking at me. He said, ooh, there she is, boy. Go tell the king to make haste. It's coming rain. I hear the sound of abundance of rain. Hallelujah. I want to tell you, it may not look, look like much to you. It may not uh, what somebody else is praying for, what somebody else is believing for. You may not even recognize it. That was Sister Vicky's cousin from Birmingham that came this morning. Stood right there. She was back in the back with Children's Church. Uh, but she texted her and said, hey, can you come back in here? Let's get ready to give the altar call. Can you come back in here to pray with me? I want to pray. She needed to be saved. She come down here. I didn't know she was saved or not. I didn't even know it was her cousin. I laid hands on her, prayed with her, big old tears uh, dripping off her cheeks. And after church, I get a text. Uh, she got saved this morning. That may not look like much to you, but to me it looks like a cloud about the size of a man's hand. And God says to me, expect rain. Expect rain. Expect rain. Hallelujah to God. How in the world are you ever going to see rain? 
If you don't believe or if you don't expect God to do what his word has promised that God would do, how are you ever going to see revival if you don't believe that in the last days God's going to open up the heavens and pour out blessings that can't be contained. Hallelujah. Shalom Hallelujah. Hallelujah. I was reminded of that this morning. I said, God, maybe that's our cloud. Hallelujah. I just told him, Lord, I'm going to look again. I'm going to be looking again the night when we come back to church on a Sunday night. You, you think that God can't do it, Brother David? Sister Megan was there. There's teenagers in high school dating when I was pastoring. Summerdale, that makes me feel real old because they got college age children. That makes me feel real old. But they were teenagers in high school. I'm telling you, I'd go over to that church in the morning. I'd seek God in a prayer meeting. I said, oh God, how's it going to be? How in the world, what, are you, what can I do? What are you going to be able to do? I called Brother Brian. We, we agreed together on a fast. On the 14th day of that fast, scripture came to my heart riding over the causeway. I was coming from Mobile and Army on a hospital visit. I'm weeping and crying. I said, Lord, I don't know what you're doing. I don't know what it's going to take, but I sure need to see a move of God. And I heard the Holy Ghost say, I'm like an owl in the desert uh, and a pelican in the wilderness. Uh, I went home and looked it up. It's a scripture in the book of Psalms. Uh, I said, Lord, that's the strangest thing you've ever said to me in my life. I'm like an owl in the desert and a pelican in the wilderness. I, I said, why would you say that to me? He said it was a psalm of David. He's on the run for his life. He didn't have a friend in the world. And he cried and said unto me in his loneliness, I'm like an owl in the desert and like a pelican in the wilderness. He said, but an owl thrives at night. He's a bird of prey. And when nothing else can see, and when everything else is nested up, uh, that owl can see what others cannot. Uh, and he's hunting uh, and he's looking for his prey. He thrives in the darkness. Uh, and he said the pelican is a defenseless bird. Uh, and he had to make his nest in the wilderness so far away from where anything else lives. Uh, where it can raise its uh, Chicks, and not only survive, but thrive. The owl thrives in the dark, and the pelican thrives in the wilderness. And he said to me, Brother Daniel, I sent you to this church not to die, but to thrive. To thrive where other men might think there's no hope. To thrive in the dark. To thrive in the wilderness. I called you to live and not die. I'm telling you, it was a breath of God breathed into me. I took it as my text on a Sunday morning and I preached to them on the one word grow, spiritual growth. That's what God told me to do. Just grow like the owl and like the pelican, I took that from my text. I'm like an owl in the desert and a pelican in the wilderness. And a husband and wife came as visitors that day and got saved. Might not mean much to you, but to a pastor that's been praying and fasting for revival. And he's 14 days in. It meant a lot to me. Brother Brian said when God, it was either revival or resigns what it was. And I said, if God don't move, I resign. If he does, I'll praise the Lord. Got saved on the 14th day, Brother Bob. I told Brother Brian, I said, my answer came. God spoke to me. I'll be staying. I won't be resigning. I said, I appreciate you being on the fast with me. And I'm going to fast one more week just to thank him. I'm telling you, Sunday, night came and somebody else came in and got saved. Wednesday night came and somebody else came and got saved. The next Sunday came and somebody else came and got saved. And I, we didn't go one service for six months without at least one person getting saved. 
I may never see another revival or a move of God like that again in my life, but I seen it that time. I said I seen it that time. I remember a retired minister from Loxley Church of God. I don't recall his name. I just knew he visited a couple of times. He come at the onset of that thing. We were a few in number, and he come back toward the end of that thing about six months later. In that church, we had about 120, 130 there that morning, packed elbow to elbow. They was a shouting of victory. And the power of the Holy Ghost uh, sweeping over that sanctuary, God moving. He walked up to me with big tears in his eyes. He said, what has happened to this place? I just smiled at him. I said, I don't know. I just know God is here. He said, you got grandmas and grandpas and teenagers all singing in harmony, in unison, out of the old red back book. He said, I ain't seen that since I was a boy. I said, I ain't tried to do it. I just asked God to help me. And he sent revival. I said, I'd seen something else. If I knew anything else, those are the only songs I know. So they were the ones they sang. Hallelujah. God, I may not ever see it again, but I've seen it then. I want to tell you, I've, I've, I've walked in the strength of that, that, that cloud the size of a man's hand. I've seen, a, I've seen another glimpse of a revival. Every time I get low in my spirit, what God says to me, I need you to go and look again. I haven't changed. I'm still God. I still save. I still heal. I still baptize men and women in the power of the Holy Ghost. And I'm telling you, if I need to, I can raise me up a church in the middle of the wilderness. Yeah. Hallelujah. Look again. Hallelujah. It came to pass at the seventh time that he said, Behold, there ariseth a little cloud out of the sea like a man's hand. He said, Go up, say to Ahab, Prepare thy chariot. Get thee down, that the rain stop thee not. And it came to pass in the meanwhile that the heaven was black with clouds and wind, and there was a great came to pass in the meanwhile that the little cloud about the size of a man's hand expanded across all the sky that he could see and the sky turned black. God sent a great rain. I'm, I'm trying to land this plane. I got two more points. God showed me on look again. John 4 and 35. Say not ye. That is, say not unto yourself. There are yet four months, and then cometh harvest. Behold, I say unto you, lift up your eyes and look on the fields, for they are white already to harvest. He's talking to men who know all about fishing, who know all about farming. Who know, he's preaching to them in terms that they can relate to. He said, we pass by these fields while we're walking every day. One occasion the Bible said they passed through on the Sabbath, plucked them Weed off a stalk, Brother Homer just ate it. And they accused him of working on the Sabbath. Yeah. They passed by one of them fields and he said, Hey boys, I know y'all saw this field a hundred times. He said, Quit saying to yourself, 
It's yet four months. And that field's going to be ripe for the plucking. He said, lift up your eyes and look again. Lift up your eyes and look one more time. And the word look again is one word in the, in the Greek. And it means to examine closely. To look with intent as if you're trying to find something. Lift up your eyes and look upon the fields. For I say unto you, they're already ripe for the picking. And you just haven't seen it. God said to me, look again. Church is ripe for revival. Look again. Yeah. It's a perfect day and opportunity Hallelujah. to have a move of God. Oh, yes. We look and say the things apostate. We look and say the church world is in decline. We look and say, my God, we're in the middle of a spiritual drought or a famine. And the Lord says, look again. Oh, yeah. Look again. Look again. Brother Clinton said, don't ever fear as a preacher to preach in a dry climate. He said the reason being is the whole field can burn up when it's dry. Just strike a match and throw it in the field. The whole thing will be on fire in no time. Hallelujah. Look again. What's the use in preaching because the things uh, twice dead, plucked up by the roots uh, and dry through another man's perspective? He'll say it's right for revival. Strike a match uh, and throw it out there and let God set it on fire. I'll tell you what the church needs. A good rebaptism. Holy Ghost. Amen. My God. Hallelujah. I mean one of you camp experiences where they all come back a van load of them full of the Holy Ghost. Woo! I'm telling you the local church gets set on fire when all the kids come back from you camp full of the Holy Ghost. The worship is alive. The altar services are alive. What needs to happen? The Lord says, you need to look again. You need to look and see. This thing's ripe for revival. You know, in order to have revival, something's got to be dead. In order for it all to catch fire, something's got to be dry. You ain't going to cut a tree down, the bark be green, all the limbs be green. All the leaves are green. Just strike you a match and lay it on there. Ain't nothing gonna burn. That thing been dead for a while. You ain't gotta beg it to burn. You just put something next to it that's on fire. The whole thing will catch fire. God said, look again. I put you in the right time. I put you in the right generation. I've got you in the right place. You're surrounded with the right people. Look again. I believe me again for revival. Hallelujah. Lord in this house tonight. Hallelujah. Thou canst believe all things are possible. To him that believes, saith the Lord, a double-minded man is unstable. All of his ways, and let him think not that he shall receive 
anything from the Lord. I'm a God that cannot fail. And my word is my truth. My promise is unto those that will believe me. Those that will call upon my name until I answer. Those that will seek me with their whole heart and trust in my word. And walk in obedience to my command until they receive the promise of God. Hallelujah. I'm going to close with this. Curse if you come help me. Thank you, Lord. Luke chapter 7, verse 36. One of the Pharisees desired him. He would eat with him. He went into the Pharisee's house, sat down to meet Behold, a woman in the city, listen to this, man. Behold, a woman in the city which was a sinner. The Bible called her a sinner. When she knew that Jesus sat at meat in the Pharisee's house, just so you'll know, I looked up the word was. A woman in the city which was a sinner. It was a, I looked it up in Strong's Concordance. It is a present tense verse. She was a sinner, not like she was, a, she used to be a sinner. That's our testimony. I was once a sinner, but I came pardoned to receive of my Lord. Not that kind of was. She was presently, actively, at that moment, a sinner. When she knew that Jesus sat at meat in the Pharisee's house, brought an alabaster box of ointment. I, I have so many times, like so many other people, put such an emphasis on the alabaster box of ointment. Costly. A year's worth of wages. Costly. Frankincense. Myrrh. Spikenard, olive oil, whatever it was, a year's wages, 300 pence. Ah, oh, so costly, so expensive. I don't care about the alabaster box. I don't care what she brought. The alabaster box didn't mean nearly as much to the Lord as she did. The only person that cared about the alabaster box was the one that counted money. Jesus could have cared less that she poured it out on his feet. The Lord said, don't look at the alabaster box. Said this woman stood at his feet behind him, weeping, began to wash his feet with tears and did wipe them with the hairs of her head and kissed his feet and anointed them with ointment. When the Pharisee which had bid him saw it, he spake within himself, saying, This man, talking about Jesus, if he were a prophet, would have known who and what manner of woman this is that toucheth him, for she is a sinner. The Bible called her a sinner. And one of the head of the church called her a sinner. Jesus answering, answering Simon's thought that he spake to himself. Jesus answering said unto him, Simon, I have somewhat to say unto thee. He said, Master, say on. There was a certain creditor which had two debtors, the, the one owed 500 pence and the other 50. When they had nothing to pay, he frankly or immediately forgave them both. Tell me therefore, which of them will love him most? Simon answered and said, I suppose that he to whom he forgave most. He said unto him, Thou was rightly judged. He's talking to Simon. But the next verse said, And he turned to the woman. 
I'm just going to turn my back on you. Like Jesus turned his back on Simon, Kirsten's going to be the woman. And he turned to the woman and said, Son, you ever talked to somebody with your back turned to them? You ever looked at one person and talking to the other? Jesus did. Simon, seest thou this woman? He's seen her. Saw her, Caleb. He saw her. He saw her. From the time she walked through the door, he saw her. If he was a man of God, if he were a prophet, ain't no way he's the Messiah. Or he'd know that woman's a sinner. He wouldn't dare let her converse with him. He wouldn't dare let her put her filthy, no good, sinful hands on his feet. Turned his back. Hey, Simon, do you see this woman? I came to your house today, Simon. You didn't offer me the common courtesy having anybody to wash my feet. This woman from the time that I entered into your house have not ceased to wash my feet with her tears. Don't talk to me about an alabaster box. I'll tell you the most precious commodity, the most precious currency to Christ that day was the tears of a penitent woman that didn't need anybody to tell her she was a sinner. She knew she was a sinner. The Bible knew she was a sinner. The church knew she was a sinner and Christ knew she was a sinner. But she knew one thing, if anybody, if I'll find mercy anywhere, it'll be with him. If I find anybody that'll help me or be compassionate to me, it'll be him. If anybody will let me touch him, it'll be him. If anybody will listen to me, it'll be him. came to your house and you wouldn't wash my feet. She has ceased not to wash my feet with her tears and dried them off with the hair of her head. My head with oil thou didst not anoint. She has anointed my feet with oil. You offered me no kiss. She's kissed my feet. He said this woman which is a sinner. Though her sins be many, she is forgiven. Though her sins be many, she's forgiven. What you witness, Brother Bob, right there, live, in, 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 I mean, as it was happening, she was a sinner, according to the Bible. She's a sinner according to Simon. She's a sinner according to Jesus. And Jesus looks at her and says, Your sins are many, but you're forgiven. I mean, in real stream, right, on, right in a, a live stream. You could have watched it live stream on the video. She walked in a sinner. Simon, have you saw, have you seen this woman? I saw her the moment she walked in. Look at her again. Something's happened. Woo! She was a sinner, but take another look. She's a child of God now. Hallelujah. She came in with a burden of sin laid on her soul, but she's going home in the liberty of the Holy Ghost. Look again. Look again. I've been saved 30 years. Some of the people that went to school with me that would have knew what I once was and who I used to be. Eddie Sullivan. Oh, yeah. We went to school with him. He's a ball player. My cousin, Robbie. Aunt Patsy. 
been in the hospital in the ICU for several weeks, and I went over there several times. I mean, Uncle Bobby, Aunt Patsy, Robbie, Tammy, Richie, and Durant Chapel Baptist Church up there, crossroads, right, you know, west of Bamonette, their whole life. They were always Baptists. I was Celeste Road Church of God, Alberta Assembly of God, Holy Assembly of God. Where else? We're at over there, the eight mile mom and grandpa pastor. I can't remember the name of that church. Anyway, any assembly of God, grandpa's prayer, I've always been assembly of God. It's just the way it always was. I'd go be in church with Uncle Bobby and them, stay the weekend there. They'd start up the song service. I'd stand up, get ready to clap. Richie grab my arm, pull my arm down, pull my shirt tail down. He said, don't do that. Don't do that. I said, oh, I forgot. Y'all don't stand. Y'all don't clap. Y'all don't shout. Y'all don't say amen. I just sat there. That might be strange. Yeah, they thought I was strange. I thought they were strange or not. Anyway, as a boy growing up in that, Robbie knew me for what I was. I was just like them. On the weekends, we'd go party. We'd go sin. We'd go get in trouble. We'd do what unsaved teenage boys would do. Hide all of it from mom and daddy, but doing it we was. I worked in that plant. I got gloriously, miraculously born again. I mean, I changed like night and day. Carried around the New Testament. I'd witnessed rich. I mean, we, we were buds. We were brothers. We did everything together. I'm witnessing. He said, hey, you went to church with me when I was a boy. You know I'm saved. I got baptized when I was eight. I'm saved. You don't need a witness to me. I said, man, I know what me and you was doing. You were saved then? He said, yeah. I was saved then. I said, well, I wasn't. I guarantee I wasn't. But I am now. He knew it. I knew it. And everybody around me knew it. Robbie, he moved off. He's still there in Cedartown, Georgia. He works in paper mill over there. He said, one of our secretaries... She's the church of God. He said, she's always talking about the Lord, talking about their services, the way they worship, how their preacher preaches. Verse, he's, he goes to Baptist church still. He's a Baptist Sunday school teacher. She's always telling me about her experience. I'm always telling her about mine. He said, I came in one day and he said, hey, I got a cousin. That's all he ever does. Is preaching Church of God churches just about. He said, let me give you the link to their live stream and give him a listen. You probably like him. He said, little did I know. He said, I had to listen to, to you preach for two or three months straight. I'd be sitting in my office and all I'd hear is you hooping and hollering and screaming and shouting and preaching. Said I walked in there one day. She got them hands raised up. Tears are rolling down her face. She said, I'm so glad you introduced me to your cousin. I'm so thankful to hear this kind of preaching. He said, believe it or not, when he was a boy, we had to make him talk. We couldn't pry any words out of his mouth hardly. He didn't hardly even know he could talk. And now, that's all he does. Everywhere he goes, talking and telling somebody about this Jesus. His mama's in ICU and big tears swelled up in his eyes. And he hugged my neck and said, Thank God for the day he saved your son. God, 
I'm telling you, I just had to tell them that was me 30 years ago. You need to look again. You can see what God can do in a person's life. They'll surrender their heart and life to it. I got up looking for Jesus to come today. He ain't come yet. If he don't come by this time tomorrow, Brother Homer, I'm going to look again. I'm going to look again because soon and very soon, he's going to split those skies. The Bible said, unto them that look for him, shall he appear the second time without sin unto salvation. I came to exhort you tonight. I don't know what phase you're at. I don't know if you like that lady today that needs to get born again. I don't know if you're here needing healing. I don't know if you're here needing the baptism of the Holy Ghost. I don't know if you're like me and praying for revival to come to the kingdom of God, the church in these last days. I'm just here to exhort you, look again. God said he'd do it. And he will do it. He's going to do it. Look again. How many of you meet me in this altar tonight? You'll hear what the Lord says. Lift up your eyes and look. Lift up your eyes and look. What he was saying, look again. 